The transfer portal hasn't even officially opened yet, and still, the Hoosiers are eyeing one of the biggest names in it. You are Locked On Hoosiers, your daily podcast on the Indiana Hoosiers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? Welcome in to another episode of Locked On Hoosiers, your one and only daily one-stop shop for everything IU Athletics. I'm your host, as always, Jacob Rude. I want to thank you guys for making us your first listen every single day. I want to thank FanDuel for being the sponsor of today's episode and for being the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. The transfer portal will not officially open until next week. I believe next uh, uh, Wednesday, the 15th. But players have already kind of announced their intention, and there isn't going to be many names bigger than um, Harvard 6'6 forward Chris Ledlam, who pretty much as soon as the season uh, ended for Harvard, he entered the transfer portal. He is, as I mentioned, the 6'6 versatile forward who was a unanimous first-team All-Ivy selection this year. He's someone that kind of caught your eye uh, for the Hoosiers when you first heard the news. And on Wednesday, it was reported by Andrew Slater, who uh, does work for a number of different publications. Um, But, I mean, someone that seems reputable. Uh, I have no reason to believe that they aren't. Um, reported a host of teams have already reached out to Ledlam, including Indiana. This is a who's who. Kentucky, UCLA, Ohio State, IU, Florida, Maryland, LSU, Arkansas, Oklahoma, Georgia, Xavier. Everybody is already reaching out to this guy. As they should, and specifically as the Hoosiers should, Ledlam just finished his third year at Harvard. He should have a COVID year if he wants it. So he has two years of eligibility remaining and is a fascinating perspective transfer for the Hoosiers. Indiana obviously is going to have to do a lot of work in the transfer portal. Uh, They're going to end up losing Trace, Race, Miller Cop, almost certainly Jalen hood Shafino. And as we discussed earlier this week, maybe Xavier Johnson as well. So they only have a couple guys, Ja'Kai Newton and Gabe Cups coming in as freshmen. They're going to have to get really busy in the transfer portal. That's also assuming nobody transfers out, which Indiana got kind of lucky last year, not losing any, uh, anybody of note. Um, But I would be surprised if that's the case this year. So, There's going to have to be a lot of turnover, I think, with the roster and the transfer portal. Ledlam absolutely is someone that both makes sense for Indiana and they should be targeting. Uh, Last season for Harvard, he averaged 18.8 points and 8.5 rebounds. Uh, He's kind of this, as I mentioned, 6'6". He's a wing. I think ideally he'd be a small ball four. Uh, He has the ability to knock down shots from the outside He didn't do it with a ton of consistency, and he hasn't his whole career. He shot 
uh, just a tick under five threes per game, but only shot 29% on them. And conference play, his average went up. His efficiency marginally went up. It was 30% per game. He's willing to shoot threes. He doesn't make a lot of them, but he's also very willing to uh, post guys up, to play uh, out of the block, to drive to the rim. Uh, He's a willing passer. It's going to be interesting to see how Mike Woodson really starts to mold this team because I think this this summer, this offseason, is really where we're going to start to get a sense of what type of team Mike Woodson wants. Not that it's a bad thing, but he's he came in and pretty much had to work with the pieces he had in Trace, Race, Miller Cop, Xavier Johnson, stuff like that. If you kind of look at the guys he's been recruiting, it's wings that can do a little bit of everything, play a little bit of positionless basketball. You've heard guys talk about that being the message to recruits as well. So... I mean, you can look at guys like Caleb Banks, CJ Gunn, some of the recruits he's brought in who can play multiple positions, Malik Renew as well. It's interesting. I wouldn't be surprised if his system looks something a little more modern moving forward with um, someone like a Ledlam playing as your four. He can rebound the ball extraordinarily well. He plays on the perimeter. He can play in the post. Decent defender. Uh, He averaged 1.1 blocks per game. So he's able to kind of play inside, play outside. You put him next to Malik Renew, add a couple guards, or uh, if Xavier Johnson's there, that opens up driving lanes for him. You're able to surround him with Galloway, and maybe you're certainly going to need some shooting to replace Miller Cop as well. And suddenly you have a pretty decent... Uh, starting five, a well-rounded starting five. So the Hoosiers are going to have a lot of competition for Ledlam, but the Hoosiers are also going to be a super intriguing team to watch because this is very clearly uh, a coach in a system that is working. The Hoosiers are a successful team in the last couple seasons. They're a tournament team and they're going to be able to go to players in the transfer portal and say look we're building something here we've had the success come be part of that come join us and be part of that and that's not something other places are going to be able to offer when it whether i mean kentucky is just turning over guys left right and center uh that's it's always why i mean if your goal is to get to the nba that makes sense but I don't even know if that's the best place to go at that point, but a lot of the places that they're going to, I use going to be competing with don't have that same pedigree in recent years. Ohio state is an absolute mess this year. Um, UCLA does have that argument, but it's, I think IU is in a really strong place when it comes to the transfer portal. They can also offer starter minutes that not every team can. IU has a lot of minutes that they have to replace and a number of starting spots they have to replace. You assume Malik Renew is going to step into the starting lineup. You assume Trey Galloway is going to be a starter. Outside of that, you could realistically be replacing the other three starting spots. So IU is going to be in a strong position. Ledlam seems like someone that they're already targeting. Uh, Again, a super interesting player that 
seems to fit the idea of what Indiana wants to be. Like I said, he can handle the ball. He has a 22, or excuse me, 15.9% uh, rebounding rate, which uh, that means 15.9% of the rebounds available when he's on the floor. That's kind of an estimate of how many he gets for reference. Uh, Malik Renu is at 13.8%, so a better rebounder than Renu. At the same time, he has an assist percentage of 12.1%, uh, which is an estimate of the percentage of teammate field goals a player assisted while they were on the floor. Again, for reference, uh, Jalen Huchifino is at 21%, Trey Galloway is at 11%, so somewhere in the middle of those two. Uh, Probably, I mean, it's actually a lot closer to Trey Galloway, but he's doing it at 6-6 and a block percentage of 4%, which it's up there with Race Thompson, just a tick below Race Thompson. So that tells you the type of kind of all-around player he is. He has some flaws, but the Hoosiers absolutely could use him next season. It's going to be interesting to see how hard they push after him Again, the portal doesn't even open until next week, so we're getting really early news on that front, but I, I think Indiana's really going to be in on him, and that would be a big get for the Hoosiers. Now, having talked about the future, let's talk about the present. March is here. The Hoosiers are about to kick off the NCAA tournament. What's going to dictate or what's going to be a successful March for the Hoosiers? Let's talk about that and the expectations this team should have in the coming weeks. First, let's talk about FanDuel. It's March, guys. There's no better time to be betting than in March, and there's no better time to join America's number one sports book at FanDuel than right now because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Download the app. Pick the underdog you think, the, the, the 11 seed, the 13 seed, hopefully the not the one against Indiana the 12, whatever it is, pick them. Even if the bet doesn't hit, you're going to get a bunch of money back to keep betting throughout the tournament. Just download the app. It's safe, secure, super easy to use. Uh, plus FanDuel lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with same game parlays. So don't miss the chance, your chance to get that no sweat first bet up to a $1,000 in bonus bets. When you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on, that's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Big thanks to you guys for making us your first listen every single day. Make sure you check out uh, the brand new podcast, Locked On College Basketball. There's, no, again, not a better time to be listening to college basketball news than during March and during this week. They have you covered throughout the entire week, throughout next week, throughout all of March. These guys will have you covered. Big name experts, insiders, coaches, and players. 
Locked on College Basketball available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Let's talk about success this month because it's an interesting kind of debate I was having internally for what would be considered successful this month. The first with the Big Ten tournament, that's such a tricky proposition for IU because IU never does well in the Big Ten tournament. So I don't think fans really hold it in that high of a regard. The players certainly do, though. There's it. There's been a lot of talk about wanting to win team accolades, especially when it comes from Trace. Trace has talked all season about how he doesn't really care about the personal accolades anymore. It's the team stuff. So should we be putting weight on how they perform in the Big Ten tournament? Ideally, you win the first game, whoever that's going to end up being, on Friday, but if the Hoosiers go 1-1 one and one in the tournament, do we say that's unacceptable? If they don't get to the title game, is that unacceptable? Me, personally, I'm not really putting any weight on the Big Ten tournament. I think there's also probably a legitimate question of asking, is it worth winning it? Um, That's a lot of minutes to put on your body, and we saw last year how Indiana was wearing down, uh, kind of through the final weeks of the season, into the tournament. Once they got to the actual tournament, they were toast and really didn't offer any any resistance in that game. It's a little bit different this year. It's one less game in the Big Ten tournament. They would have to play to win it, theoretically, though they're still going to have to play three straight days. You're not going to have to play a play-in. You're not going to have to play that game and then fly across the country right away. So the circumstances are different. My worry is that this IU team has looked pretty gassed for a while. I think there's a debate to be had of the extra rest versus a Big Ten tournament title. I'm not saying you go in and throw the game, but I'm saying that it's not the worst case scenario if IU, even if IU loses in the first game, that means they have close to a full week off, maybe a full week off to get rested up. There's a pretty easy counter to that. And that if IU wins three straight games and wins a Big Ten tournament, they're rolling. They have all the momentum in the world. And that is great. Like It's not a bad thing to win the Big Ten tournament. But I think there is kind of a cost-benefit analysis you can do there. Is it worth expending all that energy to win the Big Ten tournament when you don't have a lot of energy left? I would. I don't know offhand. I'd be interested to see the amount of teams that have won the Big Ten tournament and or really conference tournaments and how they tend to fare in the NCAA tournament itself. I don't know if there's any correlation there, but... It is, it's an inter. I, I think it's a an interesting debate. Ultimately, I mean, I'm not going to be mad if the Hoosiers win the Big Ten tournament, but I'm also not going to be upset if they're one and done on Friday and out right away in the Big Ten tournament. I don't think there's a bad result the Hoosiers can have, and we're going to talk about bracketology here in a minute. I think they're pretty firmly locked in as a four seed, uh, regardless if they lose. So that also kind of helps as well. But when it comes to the NCAA tournament, I think that's a different thing. I think there is a, a a 
bar they have to get to. Like, I think this team needs to be a Sweet 16 team for it to be a successful season. It's going to feel like an opportunity pretty badly lost if this team doesn't win the first two games of the tournament. They're going to be a four or at worst a five seed that is favored in the first game. And then you're going up against a five or four seed in the second game that you're theoretically pretty evenly matched with. The with the with Trace Jackson Davis, with the talent this team has, Trace and Jalen specifically, you gotta maximize everything that's left because that's it. This is one and done for those guys. I, I or well the last run for those guys, certainly. Um I would be really disappointed if this team doesn't make a sweet 16. It's wild saying that because last year we were just happy to be there. I think it's partly an evolution of the team, but I also think if you to ask us back in what early November, late October, what the expectation for this team was, I think sweet 16 would have probably been pretty low. Things have changed in the last, what, six months or so as the season has played out, but I think this team certainly needs to get to a Sweet 16. Do they need to get to the Elite Eight? That's a tall... I don't think that's a that's like the minimum acceptable. I, I'm trying to think of how I word, word this. I think it depends on how what their performance is in the Sweet 16. They're probably going to be playing a one seed, assuming they're a four seed or a five seed. They're probably playing a one seed in that next game. It's a tall task to upset that team, but we've seen Indiana's capable of playing that way. I think it would depend on the performance they have. If they get to the Sweet 16, fall flat on their face, and lose by 20 against the number one team, that's going to feel pretty bad. That's not going to be a particularly enjoyable experience. If At the same time, if they get to the one seed, they give it everything they had, they lose by one on a buzzer beater. It's going to be painful, but you're going to feel good about how IU did. So I don't think a win is imperative there. Now, if they get to the Sweet 16 and they win the game and get to the Elite Eight, then yeah, I think that everything, you're playing with house money at that point. Uh, that anything past that is certainly like exceeding expectations. This team is a dark horse Final Four candidate, but they're dark horse for a reason. There's a lot of inconsistency throughout this year that I've spoken that I think is going to cost them, but it's possible they get to the final four. Ultimately though, I think the bar is a sweet 16. Like that's what you have to get to. And from there, I think there's some nuance that could determine whether it was a successful second weekend, but this team needs to be a second weekend team. Let me know what you guys think. Do you agree? Do you think that they need to get to the elite eight? For this to be successful, uh, do you think they even need to get to the Sweet 16? Let me know in the YouTube comments. Let me know on Twitter, in the reviews, over at iTunes, whatever it may be. Let's look at Bracketology, get an update as the conference tournaments are underway and get a sense of where the Hoosiers stand on things before they themselves start the conference play. We'll do all that here in just a moment. We've done this a couple times looking at the bracketology. It isn't going to change a ton at this point for the Hoosiers because it really seems like the top four seeds across 
all the brackets are kind of firmed up. Uh, it's going to take a lot for Indiana to move up, probably winning the Big Ten tournament and someone above them kind of collapsing. All of that's possible, but I think ultimately it's going to, I use probably pretty locked in as a four seed. Joe Lenardi updated his bracketology on Tuesday night once the uh, most of the games had ended. IU still a four seed, still going to Orlando, playing Toledo, uh, and then playing the winner of Miami and VCU. That would be in Kansas's regional. That would be interesting. The Hoosiers have experience playing Kansas, but Kansas beat the crap out of them, and you're playing in the Midwest region in Kansas City. So you're going back on the road against Kansas in a game that you weren't really competitive in the last time. Might be a little bit of revenge on the mind, but I, that wasn't a matchup I I liked, really. And it seems like this Kansas team has gotten a lot better since that game. So I don't know that I'd love that matchup. Um, Michigan State would be on the other side of the bracket. Marquette as your three seed. Arizona as your two seed. So it would be a lot of familiar names in this. But if there's a one seed, I'm not thrilled about it would be Kansas just because that first game left such a sour taste in the mouth and I don't know maybe that they have something another gear to perform at but it certainly didn't feel that way watching the game it felt I mean they're, they they would compete better but outside of that I'm not sure CBS Sports updated theirs uh, on Wednesday morning Indiana the four seed in the south region uh, that would be them playing Carl, uh, College of Charleston. Uh, that would be them playing in Greensboro as well. Texas A&M would be the five seed. Uh, Oral Roberts, the other team, the 12 seed. Uh, so a tight little bracket there in Greensboro that I like the Hoosiers in that. They would be in Alabama's region, but... Um, I feel better about that one. Brandon Miller would be a big matchup problem for the Hoosiers, but that'd be way down the road. Gonzaga would be the two seed in this. Kansas State, the three. Kentucky is a seven seed. That would, I mean, you wouldn't play them until a Final Four or a spot in the Final Four is on the line, but dear God, imagine playing Kentucky with the winner going to the Final Four. Whew, I didn't handle it well last time when it was only a Sweet 16 is on the line, so... Uh, that was CBS Sports. Delphi has the Hoosiers. Uh, Delphi Bracketology is one of the more accurate ones. For those that don't know, uh, they have it's basically a, a bracketology club at Delphi High School, I believe. They sit down, they discuss this, and they ultimately typically end up with one of the best brackets year over year. They have IU as a four seed, the second highest four seed. They haven't put they didn't put them into a bracket, but these are the seed lines. It gives you a sense of where the Hoosiers are and that they would have to fall pretty far to fall off the four seed line. But it would be a uh it would I really don't see though a way for the Hoosiers to fall off a four seed. At the same time, I'm not sure. I mean, maybe if they win the Big Ten tournament, they move up to a three seed, but if you look at the bracket matrix, which I know I'm throwing a lot of things at you guys, 
the bracket matrix takes any bracketology submitted, puts all the seeds into basically a spreadsheet and averages out a kind of average seed. And the Hoosiers across hundreds of brackets, although I think they've whittled it down in the recent uh, week or so, across all of these brackets, a couple dozen at the very least, uh, their their average seed is 4.1. And that's because almost everybody has them as a four seed. There's one bracket that has them as a three seed. There's a, or excuse me, two brackets that have them as a three seed, a couple handful that have them as a five seed, one that has them as a six seed, and that's it. Otherwise, the Hoosiers are pretty locked in as a four seed. Again, at the same time, Xavier is 3.99 as their average. There's almost zero variation in them. So this four seed is pretty locked in. The three seed is up to a. 3.4 and Kansas is a 3.0. So everyone is really unanimously locked in. So unless the the selection committee is viewing things differently, uh, and you can look at the five seeds, Miami is the highest five seed and their average seed is 4.99. Like this is it's pretty upset that the three seeds are all set. Marquette, Gonzaga, Kansas State, Tennessee, UConn, Xavier, IU, Virginia are pretty locked as your four seeds. And there's a jump to the five seeds. Miami, San Diego State, and St. Mary's seem like three of the favorites. There's a little bit of variation with that last one, but I don't expect a ton of movement. I think the Hoosiers are locked into being a four seed. Things will change, though. Uh, And, I mean, it's not called March Madness for a reason, so... Or for no reason, I should say. So uh, maybe things get wild and the Hoosiers go up or down. It's what we're here for. It's what we love watching college basketball in March for. But as much as you can be in March, the Hoosiers seem pretty settled right now. Certainly that there's a lot that can change. We will be back tomorrow to preview the Big Ten tournament game. Whoever it, it may end up being, I'm recording during the game on Wednesday, so I'm not even sure who won between Minnesota and Nebraska. But we'll have that for you in tomorrow's episode. For your second listen, check out the brand-new podcast, Locked on College Basketball. Isaac Shade and Andy Patton are your experts that bring you everything you need to know on and off the court, uh, whether it's coaches, players, uh, exp- other big-name experts, everything throughout the basketball landscape locked on college basketball available on YouTube, wherever you guys listen to podcasts, follow us on Twitter. If you have not already subscribe to the podcast, leave a quick rating and review all of that great stuff. Uh, Thank you guys for making us your first listen. Thank you for the support. We'll be back tomorrow as always, but most importantly, guys have a great day and Elio. After the holidays, a little cash goes a long way. The Chime checking account has tons of benefits to help, like fee-free overdraft up to $200 for eligible members, no monthly fees, and thousands of fee-free ATMs. You can even get paid up to two days early with direct deposit. Sign up for Chime today at chime.com goals24. Banking services and debit card provided by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Spot me eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal fees may apply. Access to direct deposits up to two days early depends on the timing of the submission of the payment file from the payer.